Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Jed and Gary Wrestling Podcast. A Gary and Jed Wrestling Podcast, depending on whose name you want to speak first. Uh, today, we're going to do a review for uh, Dynamite this week. We are doing this on Saturday evening in a sweltering, well, I would say English summer day we hardly get these so for me i'm enjoying it as much as i can oh, i'm out the window getting a van tan if anyone doesn't know what that is van drivers in england you really see them just having one arm fully tanned because they just have it out all the time so that's what i'm trying to go for i don't know what you're trying to go for gary hopefully you're doing the other arm to mine <laughs> i think you've got the whole blackburn rovers arm kit sort of going on and I've got the one when they reversed the sides of the halves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. So uh, it's a review of Dynamite, a bit of an up and down show for me. Um, not, I don't know for yourself, Gary, but we'll discuss it. First thing I want to say, just as before we started off, is AEW actually brought a few members of the crowd in, which was uh, a nice surprise. Um, they, what they did was 150 people, I believe, in total. They did do a few bits of uh, COVID testing beforehand. They also had to sign a waiver for people to come in, but it was a very, very nice surprise. And the camera angles were very smart because they made it look packed. But when uh, social media, if you look into people's social media, it was actually there at the night. You can see that the social distances were still adhered to. But I'm actually happy that some members are back in. At least it gives it a bit more of an environment. And you can tell the wrestlers were happy as well, Gary, because a few few people I uh, started looking at one bit that made me laugh later on in the night is um, Hangman Page looks at the camera and goes oh there's people here and uh, it made me pop that to be honest but um, what are your views overall then I go I think it wasn't as good as last week but it was passable sure um, for tag team appreciation night they appreciated their tag teams that's about as well as you could possibly can describe it it is, it is. And uh, I generally thought the singles matches were, uh, well, one singles match was much stronger than the others. But um, for the tag team matches as they go, they're just box standard for AEW. They're, they're just minimum, minimal, like three and a half, four, half, uh, most of the time. You do get the odd threes, but it's AEW, the strongest tag team division in the whole world. So it started off with one of the best tag teams um in the goddamn world uh young books versus the funniest tag team in the goddamn world at the moment the dark order so um what it was was young books came out did the entrance and suddenly they get attacked by um our favorite <laughs> good old silver boy alex reynolds and five um, the commentators really put over that it strengthened numbers as they were attacking the Young Bucks. And then um, the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson come wandering out afterwards, kissing, five, kissing Five's head, which I found really funny. Um, and then they threw the Young Bucks in the middle of the ring. Uh, a lot of offense, the usual Young Bucks uh, sort of stuff. Uh, the Dark Order surrounded uh, Matt a couple of times in the match. He crawls under the ring at one point out to the other, which was quite funny. Um, and then Nick actually shouts best comeback in the business uh, as he takes them all out. They do the usual moves, whatnot, whatnot. And it finishes off with um, Nick rolling up Uno whilst Matt gets surrounded in uh, the entrance area, which was actually a surprise. Funnily enough, that's what the move's called, a surprise roll up. A very, very solid start to the show. And I'm very glad it happened was started with a tag team match as well, to be honest, because that's what this night's about. 
Yeah, and we had to start with this tag team match in particular, didn't we? Let's be totally honest about it. If you want to start a match or a night off appreciating tag teams, you start it with Young Bucks. And there is nothing wrong with adding Stu Grayson and Evil Uno to that list. I'm so glad. Nothing wrong whatsoever. Because I generally thought this match was stronger than the title match as well. Um, again, I think they have a bit more chemistry with um, Young Bucks because they did mention that uh, the Dark Order are like the coming up to be the best tag team. Obviously, times change. They probably think someone else now will get onto that. But uh, the chemistry between these um, four was just was really, really good. And you can tell as well, usually with a Young Bucks match, it's very coordinated pre-and. There's a few things they did on the, the fly. You can just, you just have that feeling. Um, really solid. I love um, Evil Uno and Shoe Grace in the moment. They're absolutely entertaining characters. And I just love yeah. how Shoe Grace goes around the ring. Ah, stunning to see. I really would enjoy a Shoe Grace versus Nick singles match as well sometime down the line. Yeah, can I just say in particular that yin and yang that they hit this week was absolute perfection. Oh, it was. It really was. Um, I love the name as well. Something about the name really pops me. Just every time the yeah. commentators go over. Um, just just a line of the commentators. Taz, fantastic job. I know uh, Excalibur's not in for another week. Um, he will be due back very, very soon. But Taz, he's doing the role of uh, the heel commentator extremely well. Out of five, Gary, what would you give this match? Probably about a three and a half, four. Sorry, why did I say out of five? I usually say out of ten. Uh, just stick with a five. It makes more sense to me. Okay. I'm used to the Dave Meltzer sort of extreme sort of Kenny Omega's the six-star man. Oh my God, no. <laughs> He's broke the internet. <laughs> You know, all that sort of stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I want my own Dave Meltzer award a six-star match-off sometime. That's <laughs> what I'm after. Hey, don't worry. There'll be a Jeb Brown 11. 11 out of 10, eventually. <laughs> also, can I just mention as well, you're after Stu Grayson getting a bit of a push, aren't you? Yes. Right? Have you noticed that every time that they lose, it's Uno that gets pinned? Not until you've just told me, to be honest. Yeah, um, it just seems to be that way over the last like three weeks where I've actually been paying attention. It's just, <laughs> Uno got pinned. Uno got pinned. Uno got p- There's got to be something in that. <laughs> yeah, it is really. Because, uh, again, with BTE going into this conversation, because the Dark Order are probably the, the hottest thing on that at the moment. Um, when you think about it, if you do want to split up the Dark Order down the line, if it ever, ever does happen, because you never know, this might be like um, the sub-elite, where the Dark Order is basically the, the complete reverse. But we'll, we'll get inside the future, because something else will probably be the reverse. Um, if they did ever break up, you, you've got that instant storyline with um, Alex Reynolds, Silver, Evil Uno being like on one side, then Stu Grayson, Five and Brody Lee being on the others, and then you've got some of the uh, Dark Order riffraff that want to choose either side, because you don't really see 10 that much anymore. Um, it's mostly five that they're using as their uh, subpar guy. Um, and yeah, I think it does make sense with Evil Uno getting uh, pinned, as you've mentioned it, Gary, because uh, Stu Grayson, if you ever did want to do a split-up, I don't think they would. 
personally, but if they ever did, he would be an extremely strong singles guy. And even if you wanted to pin somebody up with Brody as like a tag team, Stu Grayson's perfect for that role. He's like a mini me version. Just give him like um, the dark colored beard and stuff like Brody Lee has. Uh, and he's basically his like mini version of himself. And they're both extremely good in the ring. I think them two as a tag team would be phenomenal as well. Yeah, you can't argue with that. But I've always liked Brody Lee more as a singles guy than a tag team guy, and I'm hoping that's the way that they stick with him. Until, obviously, it comes time for him to wind down his career a little bit, at which point, pass on the secrets, mate. Yeah, yeah, and I really wouldn't mind. You know when they do the cross-gender managers? So imagine um, Anna Jay gets pushed in the future because I think she's got a bright future ahead of her. She gets passed and like, you've still got this dark order storyline going on. Seeing Brody Lee in um, Anna Jay's corner, would just I think that would be amazing in itself. A nice, nice little spectacle, giving her a mini push. I think that would be interesting if Brody Lee needs to wind down. But no, we'll get into Brody Lee later on because he is on. Um, this led up into a mini promo, nothing much really. Just typical MGF stuff coming out of his changing room, giving gum in the mouth by somebody. Um, he speaks to that, <laughs> the woman, I forgot her name now. Um, it's later on in my notes. I think it's Nina. I think it's uh, that's who it was, basically saying, you speak when you're spoken to proper uh, spitting on uh, the woman that is his character so please don't get too offended with it and then he pushes that other guy into uh, the wall saying stay out of my shot I just really appreciate small vignettes like this uh, then because it's tag team appreciation night they started asking teams who the favourite tag teams were and this was very important for these two so we started off with Hangman Page and Omega um, they were asked who the favourites are. So Hangman Page was about to say something and Omega erupts it, it immediately interrupts him and says the Young Bucks because the Young Bucks have reinvented tag team wrestling. Uh, and then Hangman goes, hey, hang on, I was going to pick us two. So Omega looks at him slightly and then Kenny's like, oh, no, no, ignore that. We're two singles guys. So it's very good that they've uh, interwoven their little relationship into uh, this tag team appreciation. I really enjoyed that mini vignette. Um, more on to Kenny and Hangman later on. This led with one of Gary's favourite promo guys. I'll let you speak about it afterwards. Basically, MJF comes out. <laughs> he shakes hands with Taz because obviously Taz is the heel commentator. He ends up in the ring. He's doing his usual speech to do with the campaign and whatnot. Stresses at Nina to smile and wants to show some stats out. I really appreciated uh, the stats on uh, the big screen. It basically said MGF is 500% to win. He had 551,475,896 volts to Moxley's negative 1,000%. Um, he wanted to mourn because a leader is going to hear, going to die, which is Moxley. Um, he's basically, he said to Moxley that he's scared of MGF. He's not as talented as MGF. Uh, and then he pushes away his well, he actually moves away his podium and then he lies down on his back. What did you think about this promo, Gary? Just want your thoughts. I thought when he led down on, on his back, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it, it just reminded me of all them, like, like the Hulk Hogan, Jeff Jarrett thing with Vince Russo from like 2000. And I know it shouldn't be a good thing for that to remind me of, mm. but. I think this was making a point and it was basically just we're not that stupid to actually do this. Yeah. So 
you know, and like to the fans, the fans may have noticed it, may have not, may have felt about it the same way I did, but I actually really laughed at this because I just thought it was a middle finger salute to that segment from WCW back in 2000. See, because I don't have as much vast knowledge as wrestling as what you have, Gary, and yeah, you, you love that era as well. It's that didn't yeah. come in my head at all. Um, and I, I, was I wouldn't bit... say that I loved WCW in 2000. <laughs> let's, let's be honest here. I do have a very nostalgic view of it, but let's be honest, it was trash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just I'll just say your vast knowledge in general then. Uh, but this promo itself, it was 50-50 on me. I really, really enjoyed it. I like the angle of the very end and I'll, I'll get to that bit in a second but it was I stopped listening for some reason I don't know why I had to go back and watch it uh, the second time it's but because it's it, it's pretty much the same thing he said for the last yeah. two weeks I think it um, was just a it's not brought anything new so yeah <laughs> why should it, you listen it's exactly that I, it was just it was a repeat it was a similar style yeah he got rid of the podium and then when he led down I was just thinking to myself and oh, that's a fancy new camera angle you're using. And then that's it. That's all now. I, forgot, I completely forgot what he said. The only thing I picked up was a Joker reference he used from uh, Batman the Dark Knight. Um, when he said, you're like a dog chasing cars, you just don't know what to do to catch one. And in my head, I was just giggling to myself, thinking Heath Ledger's on my screen here. Um, yep. But uh, the last bit of the angle, um, I really appreciated when he was calling out Moxley, really. He told it, uh, the music started hitting a Moxley, so he told his uh, Secret Service, that's what I'm going to call him, uh, to go up into, I can't remember what word terminology he used, but. Um, the thumbs. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because everyone that sits there stinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's what he said. He got his Secret Service up. Obviously, he knew what was going to happen because Moxley is actually an intelligent baby face. Yes, WWE, listen. Uh, he came out through the entrances and then he absolutely grabbed MGF, threw him to the floor, beat him up. Paradigm shift. I really appreciated uh, MGF's selling of the paradigm shift, to be honest. His eyes made me giggle a little bit. Um, and then Moxley grabbed the mic. Well, he didn't grab the mic. He went into the back again and then grabbed the mic, did a decent promo, the, promo, the typical Mox promo you've got. And you know what got me out of all this segment? Tony Khan in the background, looking exactly as I look now, with shorts, sandals, a little T-shirt on, just looking at Moxley whilst he's doing his promo. It proper made me giggle. Um, it was like seeing the gorilla position back back in WWE. Imagine if Vince McMahon came out and did that while <laughs> like Drew McIntyre was cutting a promo. <laughs> I could see Triple H doing it, you know, like just just saying a bit of that, but I wouldn't see. I wouldn't be able to see Vince doing it. But I really appreciated that because it's like slight cameo to him, and at least. He'll get something out of that and they'll have a nice little handshake. But it, it was a bit wobbly throughout because it was just a repeat and I don't like repeats. Um, it's one thing that put me off with WWE, listening to the same thing every week. But because it was a different style and a different ending, it's really, really heated up this little Moxley um, MGF feud extremely well, I thought. And even though MGF is not the most talented, I would say he's much better than I am because most of these well every single one of these wrestlers are he's not as good as some people on that roster and he's a bit inconsistent with some matches he has but I'm really looking forward to that match now I don't care how it goes I just want each other to destroy and a few shenanigans I will allow a few shenanigans in that match um, I'm really looking forward to it now yeah I wouldn't want the shenanigans to take over the match no no 
but I do expect Wardlaw getting involved a, f- a couple of times, turning yeah. around and trying to help out his mate. <laughs> it is, and MGF is just, he's so naturally talented uh, when it comes to speaking. It's unbelievable. I just want his charisma. It's insane, even though... Um, 50 like I said, my, my comparisons to John Cena 50% of the people love him, 50% of the people hate him, but it's a love to hate and a hate to love sort of thing. So, yeah. um, it's phenomenal, he's brilliant. So, this ended up with uh, sorry, go on. I do have to say, though, this week they very much grounded it as MJF is the heel, yeah. right? And he sounded like the heel and he acted like the heel. As opposed to the last couple of weeks where there's been certain phrases that have been used where you're like, well, if John Cena was to say that, that would be the most babyface promo in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this week, all the things that he did was just, this guy's an absolute douche. <laughs> and I'm like, well, happy about that because now you have your defined heel character I actually found myself getting more into the Mox character because of it. <laughs> and I'm glad to you be know honest, what Gary, because I mean? it's, it's one of the things that I think AEW have disappointed you on, and it's uh, it's not disappointing me, but it just makes me a bit sad that Moxley's not as the champion as he should be like towards yourself, because I know other people will be thinking like that as well. I don't mind him. Um, there's bits of ele- elements I don't like, elements I do like, but because he's... More disappointing to you. That's what makes me sad because there'll be other people like yourself. And uh, I'm glad that it's not turned the full corner, but it's just made that clarity a little bit for you, ready going into the match for all out. Yeah, I still want to see MJF win the title. I, I'll be I'm honest, not, I'm, I do. I really do. I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not ever going to be Moxie's biggest fan. I'll be honest with you. His promos to me are all the same. And the way that he wrestles in every match that he does are the same so yeah there there might be a spot where he does a paradigm shift on top of a table right but then the next match he'll do a paradigm shift onto steel tax to me right ouch right (laughs) I wouldn't like to take the move right no doubt whether it's like gimmicked or what I still wouldn't want to take the move but (laughs) it's always going to end the same way Mox uses Violence, violence wins. Unscripted okay. violence, and that's when we're going into music intros previously. So this went into uh, one of the strangest characters on AEW. Uh, Matt Hardy was getting interviewed. He was just basically getting interviewed about the Sammy and uh, about his cut and his forehead. So he said he is alive and he doesn't die. Um, he like he's been seeing red and he wants to make Sammy bleed. He has 10 days to be cleared. This is the first reference they've made that they are doing the show on Saturday is what we picked up from uh, last week. We wanted the advertisements for that Saturday show to be last week going into this week, but no, they only started doing it this week. Uh, and then he basically sees red when a referee walks by dressed in Sammy's gear. Um, I've seen a few people on Reddit, not, too happy with this angle but this is for me a bit like for you and Mark this has turned the corner for me for this match Um, I know we may be seeing it on the Saturday which is good I don't think it's a pay-per-view worthy match but um, I really enjoyed this bit but I still don't understand why a referee dressed up as Sammy it would have made more sense to have you know like a similar guy 
um, the jobbing out to MGF, getting shoved into the walls. I like sort of character to dress as Sammy. It was a bit weird that a referee was dressed, but I'll get into the referee side of it later. Uh, I really enjoyed this little segment. And I know what uh, you wanted before this segment anyway, <laughs> Gary. Yeah, just like a quick, like, 20-second skit. Maybe, like, just after the tag team match of Sammy Guevara walking out of his dressing room, just looking around, spotting this referee and handing him, like, the leather jacket and the baseball cap and the sunglasses. As soon as he would have done that, this whole segment would have made so much more sense. <laughs> just, like, some confused version of Matt Hardy looking at all this, all these identifying features and just going, right, Guevara, I'm, ah, whack. <laughs> right? That, that would have made so much more sense. But now it's just a referee that walked through the arena for some reason in a leather jacket. And the a only, re- cap with, the, for only no reason, reason I all. can think that it's a referee is that they're going to extend this 10-day thing. If they want this match to be on a pay-per-view, they'll basically say, oh, no, we're going to mini-suspend Matt, Matt because he's attacked a referee and he's going to have the match all out instead of the Saturday. That's the only reason, the only thing I can think of. And then Sammy can do a promo on Saturday saying why Matt's suspended. That's the only thing I can think of. But, yes, I do prefer your idea 10 times more. But I, I did enjoy this vignette, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It was... I'm enjoying the sort of bringing together of all of Matt's different characters into this one ball of confusion. (laughs) I, I never know what to expect from one second to the next now. Instead of like it being a completely different character between different dynamites, right? Now it's different characters within the same promo. So that I'm more likely to accept because it's a lot easier to follow that sort of thing happening for some reason. I don't get it because you're literally throwing everything at the wall in one go. You know, really it funny. does make more sense. Is um, <laughs> because it's all mixed into one. Imagine if he had like all his gimmicks on a dice, and then for some reason Brandon Cutler comes in. He's playing like a D and D game. And he's just rolling the dice. And then Matt Hardy changed his delight. That character that's just showing up on his dice, it would be pretty funny, that. Okay, yeah, if you're listening, Ali, get on BT. I'll give you a segment there free of charge. Um, just make sure you uh, put our podcast on your description. Yeah, Jed and Gary podcast, yep, yep. Okay, thank you. So this goes into uh, the next match. Uh, from one referee getting attacked to a legendary referee showing up, we had Mike Kyoto. Um, I'm not going to sing his song. I'm bad at singing, completely out of tune. And yeah, that's all I'm saying for that. So I'm very, very happy that AEW swooped him up. And as you, basically, as you said before, Gary, a bit of a middle finger up to WWE. I think this is the biggest one of the show because he's a hell of a referee. He's a big name as well. And he can teach a few of the younger referees in the company. Just a few tweaks here and there. I know a few... WWE shills have said, oh, they can finally teach AEW some rules. But no, it's not about that. It's about experience. And he has got buckets full of it. Uh, On top of this, you know it's Cody. So he has to bring out the big guns. He comes out with the TNT, the completed title. What do you think of that title? Beautiful. Compared to the the pots and pans one that we had before. (laughs) um, Yeah, this is definitely an upgrade on that. I still have a problem with the Shield 
been a circle because I've never really liked circle-looking belts, apart from the old WWF one from the Attitude Era, which was okay. It was never as good as the Eagle belt, but it is what it is. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, yeah, it's miles better than it was. It, it looks totally flashier. I love the diamonds. I love the gold. Yeah, it, it's it's what was needed with that. It was. It's, it's stunning. And I do enjoy the red background. Um, I'm a bit different on the circular uh, side of it. I don't want to go too much into the belts, but as a belt as a whole, that sort of design, minus the red, even though I do like the red, it's something I would have created on like, you know, them old WWE games where you can actually start editing the titles and stuff. That's like something I would go down. But like, let's be honest, the best title belt in the world is our logo. Okay, next. Um, so it was Cody versus uh, Scorpio Sky. Um, I really enjoyed Scorpio Sky's entrance, what it was. He just came out with his new tunes. He had a door there, and I was thinking, why are they filming like, at the back when uh, his music's playing? But no, he breaks down the door, he comes out, and uh, he storms on. Obviously, Cody comes out. He gets introduced as... Um, I forgot what it was now. I put it on my notes saying, mention this, and I didn't put what it was. It was something to do... Okay, one second. This is a Google time. Can you think well done, of Jed. Always fantastic with this. Well, if you would have told me beforehand that I needed to make a note of it, I would have done. Ah, no, it's my fault, man. <laughs> Cody Rhodes, entrance, name. Never mind. The Prince of Wrestling? That is the one, yes. A very, very heelish name. I was thinking that. For some reason, I was thinking along the lines of like um, the dark something, something. I was thinking, no, no, it's not dark at all. Um, but no, um, it was a good match. Very, very decent singles match. More uh, surprised of this match than I was. It lasted a bit longer than I thought it was, but very, very well needed. Um, it, Sky was wrestling like a heel, and I thought, it, trying to pull himself up. And then before you know it, on the big screen behind him, Brody Lee shows up with the old title, kicking out a promo. And I didn't get it, Gary. I was actually a bit confused uh, when I was listening to it. But what he was saying is he's going to have a wrestling match against him on uh, against Rhodes on Saturday. Um, he's going to beat him for the title, and he's going to bring like glory to the Dark Order with it. And Cody doesn't stand a chance. He kept mentioning Saturday, and I was thinking to myself, I went, no. The pay-per-view is not next week, is it? Um, I completely forgot that it was just going to be a, a genuine AEW. And I was just like, no, no, they haven't advertised it for Saturday yet, have they? So anybody that didn't know it's moved to Saturday may have been a bit confused. However, decent Brody Lee promo, box standard, really. And I'm looking forward now to Brody Lee versus Cody. I just thought, I love Sky to bits. And uh, his promos he's doing on Dark, phenomenal. Typical Cody. He overbooked this a little bit. New title, new referee, Brody Lee coming out the end. I felt like even though Sky wrestled a really good match, he was just, again, secondary to the whole thing, which, no, he should have been the main thing. And I don't know how you would have brought Brody Lee into it all. I just felt like it was a bit crammed and Sky was just not as important to what it was, but it's Sky's, one of Sky's biggest matches except for the tag team win and the match against Jericho for the title. Yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from with that, because you could have just had Brody Lee cut that same promo half an hour later. Yeah. 
you didn't have to have Cody in the ring reacting to it because what reaction did we get? Just a typical Cody reaction. It was just, oh, okay, fair enough. He's the next one. I'll I'll see you signing there, Brody. See you in a bit, good old pal. (laughs) Brandy reacted more than what Cody did. Yeah, she did. Uh, At which point, everyone keeps telling her she's got terrible acting skills, but at least she's got some skills to do that. Yeah, she's, she's trying to sell it in a way that yeah. what wrestlers need to. Again, wrestlers don't need that pure breed um, acting, even though she sometimes doesn't have that. But ne- nevertheless, um, yeah, I agree. She sold it more. Even Arn sold it a bit more than uh, what Cody did. He just shunned it off a little bit. I think Sky sold it a bit more because he looked a bit confused going, oh, what's going on here? Oh, looks like I won't get a rematch then. Yippee. I'll see you in dark. I won't be on this show again. <laughs> Back to dark, relegated yeah. again just because of one loss. I, I think that's why he was so upset. And he, yeah, it, it, Sky is an interesting question mark for this show at the minute because I'm very much wanting to see him more on Dynamite, but then trying to think of where you can put him and there isn't anywhere. Yeah, it's unusual because same with Frankie because he shows up at one point. I think in the um, title tag team match, I think he shows up. He's just watching it. Um, and it's just like, yeah, you don't really see Christian Daniels, them them three collectives together as SEU that often anymore. And they won the titles like, at the very, very beginning. Um, they're not even winning as many matches. I don't know like what they're doing in the background because, you know, the, the older uh, wrestlers are, are helping out a hell of a lot around the show and different bits that we don't see and don't hear about. But it's like Sky, uh, again, I think because you have that yearly reset, they might just be waiting to give him a bit of a big push. But I do appreciate they give him the new music and the new entrance and um, give him the little promos. They might just be waiting for that mini heel turn for him or, or just that grey area. I know you like the grey areas and our wrestlers in AEW, Gary. Yeah, I think with, with Sky and... Daniels and Kazarian though they all work better as heels yeah from what I remember seeing of them like in Ring of Honor and even before that when it was just Daniels and Kazarian in TNA they always better as heels so I I really prefer that option for them <laughs> yeah yeah just get that heel turn done lads I know. I just think back to uh, his face turn when his shoe fell off. Oh, what a what a great time for Sky that was. <laughs> uh, did, yeah, did, absolutely. It worked out really well for him in the end, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourite moments in AEW history, that uh, phenomenal. I just remember, just because just I think it was just the crowd. Um, this led on to the uh, private party getting asked who their favourites was. Obviously, the answer with the Hardy Boys, mentioning Jeff and Matt. Um, and then this went into the tag team title match of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Hangman and Omega. Luchasaurus comes out just before the break. He speaks to the camera saying, it's only taken 65 million years for his first title shot. Uh, love you, mom. I found that hilarious. Um, but this match, Gary, this, this was um, just quite interesting because of all the mini mini stories they were telling. I really, really enjoyed the Hangman and Omega like heel 
uh, act like the actual wrestling style they were doing in especially because i know what you are like gary i know you love the omega versus stunt like scenarios um, yep. but phenomenal i in a way this was my favorite match of the night um i did really enjoy the young yeah. match but this one just because of the mini stuff that we're going through i just, I just loved it loved every minute of it yeah do you not think that the Marcos stunt stuff in this match though was sort of weird because the commentators were like oh no no, no you shouldn't be doing all this sort of... but then you think back like three weeks <laughs> and he was doing all that stuff <laughs> yeah it weren't just that he got beat up for all that stuff <laughs> do you know what i mean and the guy that beat him up is literally in the middle of that ring of course he's going to be doing this shit. <laughs> Sorry. If it's there fine. is anyone that got offended by that word there, I apologise to them, but there probably will be more. Hey, hey don't worry, Gary. If we were getting um, moneyization off uh, YouTube, then, then we'll probably get like thrown out, but it's fine. We're not to that stage yet. We're only on 18 subscribers. Hey, I don't think I said it loud enough and I stopped myself halfway through the word. Didn't you say shiv, like a shiv in prison? In yeah, absolutely. Shib. <laughs> just like Simon Miller says there you go um, I re- uh, so what happened in this match was there's a few good uh, little bit of wrestling um, I really appreciated the Omega versus Jungle Boy stuff that, I really entertained by that that will be a decent singles match if, ever, if that ever did occur in the future um, and then there's one bit where oh, Marco laughs at Omega because Jungle Boy outplayed him at one bit and Omega just grabs him and snap dragons in on uh, the outside of the ring. Brilliant. Uh, and then Hagman, uh, during the break, this is where he says, there's, uh, oh, there's people up there. I appreciate that. Again, there was um, Luchasaurus counted, uh, counteracted the bookshot with a chalk slam. That was a really good vignette. Uh, the only thing about this match is Hangman looked a bit, I wouldn't say weak, a bit lethargic in parts, a bit where... I don't know if he's injured or something. I'm, I'm very, very unsure, but he just looked a bit um, unsteady. Drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Just just a bit slow, but I don't know if that's an underlying issue. Then right at the very end, Omega pins Jungle Boy after the bookshot uh, V-trigger combo. Very entertaining stuff. Uh, for me, again, like I said, match of the night. It just progresses that little bit of... Um, Omega and Hangman, you never know. Imagine, imagine, Gary, they did the double heel turn on these two, but they still had like a match against each other down the line. How insane would that be? I might probably 90% won't happen, but just imagine. Yeah, Hangman for me has to be the uh, the ultra baby face at the end of all of this, even though. Uh, at the end of all of this actually means it could be two and three years down the line. It doesn't mean it could be two or three weeks yeah. down the line. I mean, like the end of the long-term story that they are currently telling, right, which may have several turns in the middle of it, but the end of the story has to be Hangman Page being the face of the company by being the face in the company fair play strong statement um i will ask you the random wrestling question aw 
random question at the very end in relation to these two later on so we can get back on it for you so um next it came with a promo santana and ortiz they basically just grabbed best friend stuff threw it in a shower and poured bleach that was obviously water uh onto it but typical typical they refused to apologize for destroying sue's van them rebels uh and then it was butcher and blade getting asked who their favorites were i've got the answer right here gary but you remember who it was Max and Paddy. Max and Paddy? <laughs> yeah, Peter Kay and Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> Fair enough. I bet you anybody there, they don't know who them two are, but Road Warriors were their choice um, because of their style. Of course style. they were. There's, yeah. It, it's their style, and it's their... The Road Warriors, to me, are the greatest of all time. <laughs> I don't know who the greatest of all time for me are. It's probably I'm probably leaning more down to Young Bucks, to be honest. But uh, we'll get into that. Well, we will get into that. That'll be, that's a decent question for yeah. a decent podcast that will take us a good half an hour, maybe a day. Uh, and then we ended up into talking about tag teams. This is what it was all leading up to. The tag team appreciation uh, knife for it all. So there were four teams in the ring. We had FDR on the left with Arn and Tully. Uh, and then on the right side, we have the Young Bucks with Rock and Roll Express, Ricky, and uh, was it Rob Robin? Did you say? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty certain it is. Yeah. I, yeah I always... We'll call them Ricky and Robbie, right? <laughs> and when we're wrong, right? You guys can tell us down in the comments section. We do apologise. We're not like 60 years old. So enjoy. Yeah, I know. I know it's a simple Google, but I like remembering stuff off the top of my head. And uh, sadly, I always forget yeah. the non-speakers. Um, so it's like it's like Dax and who's the other one? Who's the other one? Oh yeah, Cash. Um, so Matt began. <laughs> uh, he was speaking um, about like how Young Bucks they create uh, they got the style off the Rock and Roll Express, and then they have revolutionised tag team. Then they might got to uh, Dax. He started um, saying that because of every team in this ring at the moment, they're making a living. Uh, from wrestling, really appreciate it. A lot of uh, just praising everybody, the rock and roll. Uh, Rick started explaining that Young Bucks have led the way for the last 15 years, calling the Young Bucks best in the world. Then on grabbed the mic and told the Young Bucks are an entirely different team, a new generation, uh, and basically called Rock and Roll Express the team of the century. Then on said FTR are best in the world. And before the uh, second member of Rock and Roll Express, Robbie Robin, forgot his name apologies Tully grabs the mic good old Tully good old Tully um, this is what I was waiting for in this segment and he basically turned around and said I've got news for you all Tom Brady was the best quarterback because he won championships none of you have won any championships so let's pat ourselves on the back very sarcastically typical typical Tully I really appreciated him grabbing the mic to be honest uh, and then he turned around to Warren and said, I can't believe you're in the ring with me at this time. I cannot stand the thing you did uh, about the, because uh, you interrupted my guy in relation to Spears. And he points at the emblem on Orange's jumper and says, it's because of this, the Nightmare family. He doesn't mention the Nightmare family, he just points at it. And then Spears starts wandering out, which I really enjoyed. You know, I, I wanted him to come on Dynamite a lot more since the match he had with Dustin. Uh, uh, was it double or nothing he had when he had uh, Tully's face and his underwear? Um, I wanted him to come out more because his story is progressing and I really enjoy his persona. But so uh, Sean comes out, Tully's there, and then 
Young Bucks, Rock and Roll Express, they're trying to interrupt it. Arn has basically wandered off and an FTR, fake an injury, grab the knee brace, and they basically take out Rock and Roll Express. And I can't believe they did a spiked pile driver on Ricky, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so the Young Bucks come rushing back in the ring. Handman, uh, well, Omega comes out. Handman's wandering out, a bit delayed. Obviously, he has a drink in his hand. And it ends with FTR. Major heel turn going into the back. Love this segment. Every single minute of it. Okay, so if you'll forgive me for a second, I'm going to retread <laughs> a couple of things that you've just said. Um, just going back to when Tully sort of stalled the microphone and said, just give me this for a second. I thought I kept hearing the phrase entitled millennials. <laughs> and all I was thinking was he's cutting a promo here on two people that haven't actually earned the praise that they've got because they don't have the championships in his opinion. Right. Does that not just scream baby boomer talking to entitled millennials? Uh, yeah. Like, but... it, that is an internet conversation on social media happening in a wrestling ring. Wow. I never thought I'd get to the age where that happened. But it, it's, it's, it was very, very well done. Uh, again, oh, people... No, no, I'm not saying it wasn't well done. I'm hmm. saying it was extremely well done. But what I'm also saying is the way that Tully was talking yeah. was from that baby boomer sort of angle of them millennials think that they deserve all the praise in the world, but they haven't even earned it. Get off my lawn. You don't deserve to touch my property. You've not paid for it. I have my well-earned stuff. Blah, yeah, blah. you haven't paid your dues until yeah. you've got them championship belts, son. You know, that sort of thing. Um yeah, and Tully, when he turned round to Arn, that was such an old school promo where he's just like one second away from saying, You betrayed everything you ever stood for by teaming up with the Rods. Because if anyone knows Arn's story, teaming up with the Rods was the one thing he couldn't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, rest in peace, Dusty. And when it came to the final segment, and I mean the final segment of that, wasn't it Ricky that laid his hands on Tully first? I'm unsure, to be honest. I'll have to look back Because Ricky turned around and smacked Tully, and that's what kicked off this whole sort of thing. Well, Tully's there, just got smacked. Tully's meant to be Dax and Cash's hero from when they were little and all of the time through their WWE career up to AEW and meeting them and all this sort of stuff. Wouldn't you do something if someone had done something like that to your hero? Yeah, yeah, but he, he, it's because they fear the injury though. That, that's how they, they played the, the heel turn side no, of it. I, I'm, I'm fully aware it's a heel turn. I'm just saying sometimes heel turns are justified. And with that, <laughs> I'm sort of, yeah, I can understand why you'd do that. And you've got to question as well, why did Arn just disappear? 
I'm glad you picked that bit up because that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking it's, it's coincidental that Irons wandered out and then there's some, a sudden assassination of like this team. Um, it, it was just a very, very, very questionable and very worked out segment because you, you go out with a lot more questions you came in with and that was the point of it. It was, it was beyond brilliant and I thought the mini angle of uh, FGR getting injured quotation marks last week going into this were brilliant. Could you see an FDI versus Rock and Roll Express match just a proper squash match in the future? <laughs> I, I'm sure that would definitely get 50 plus seconds for 50 plus. I, I, I'm not joking, the Rock and Roll Express are just, they're as bad as Darby sometimes. Um, I could see it because when they did that Canadian Destroyer when, you, when we first saw my mum's bike, I, I generally think they they may, may be willing just to take it. And it'd be quite interesting if they do as well. Um, it'd be much appreciated. But yeah, from the fact that Arn wanders out, Sean's around, and Hangman Page had a delayed entrance, it's all very questionable. Um yeah, it also adds into the whole who's turning heel out of Hangman Page and Kenny yeah. Omega because yeah. right now, unlike last week and the week before, it seems more likely that Hangman Page, for the time being, will turn heel hmm. <laughs> because it, it looks like he might be the fourth man or Cody could be the fourth man or, or Kenny Omega could be the fourth man. Yeah, like, oh my how, word. How many different ways can they go about this? I'd never put Omega in the equation. That, oh, that is insane. You've, you've just planted a seed in my mind. You've got Cody, which is questionable. Um, I generally don't think it will be him, but there's a fair few teases with him in it. You've got Sean. You've got the MGF stuff, because in his promo the other week, when it's his first campaign, he mentioned a lot of references to do with famine and all the stuff about the apocalypse and whatnot. Uh, you've also got like good old questionable people. You've got Hangman, which is very possible. You've got others that could step into it that, that may, but you never know. You might have Lance Archer, people are, which I doubt it. They're the proper um, Joker cards. You, you, oh, it's Omega, Omega now. You, you're going to. You're going to give me an outlandish prediction for the next video. Um, but yeah, we could talk about this forever, Gary, because I love this aspect of uh, the FDR and just the horsemen in general uh, for yeah, AEW. I, I love it. Before they actually pull the trigger, I actually want to do a video on that, by the way. Okay. <laughs> You'll be gutted now, like, if uh, they just pull the trigger suddenly, like, next Saturday. You'll be like, what? Oh, too late. Oh, well. All right, fine. We'll do it before, the, before <laughs> next Saturday as part of the preview you'll get that question answered. <laughs> I promise you, right? That's to the audience that's listening, all 60 of you, whatever it is. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, by the way. I appreciate it. Anyway, on with the short head. I'm getting, uh, like, yeah. It's all right, exactly. a little interview for Mike Yoda. Chris Jericho comes out with the legendary... Um, orange jacket looks much much more orange every week i generally think after a show he just pours a little bit more on and just like leaves it to soak in like his bathroom or something but um he comes out he basically says to mike that he saved his job and he could do it again he needs to do him a favor and then mike just looks a bit confused he goes no, no i'm gonna call this down the middle and then chris is like yeah yeah call it down the middle wink wink nudge nudge yeah call it down the middle when i say that's fine and then um Next little segment was 
during the break that you didn't actually see, Gary, because I watch it on Fight TV, you watch it um, elsewhere, is Sammy came out, he had some cue cards. And he was just basically doing like, you know, this cue card promos he does on the breaks against Matt. But what I felt funny about this was it wasn't the content on the cards because Fight, Fight TV have a bit of audio come through every now and again. The camera master was... <laughs> It was like, there's going to be a feud with the cameraman and Sammy in the future. He'd be saying, okay, Sammy, you've only got 15 seconds left. And then after 15 seconds, he goes to Sammy, oh no, you've got a minute. And then Sammy's like, what? I've just rushed like a few of these cards. And then it was just really funny. And then the, the cameraman's like, yeah, whatever. It was just, I really appreciated. And then um, after that, we got our little bit of injection of women's wrestling. For what it was, it was actually quite entertaining. It was Heather Monroe um, debuting on AEW versus Sheeta. Just a nice little squash match. Sheeta got her to tap out, decent move. And she basically cuts a mini vignette at the very end. Uh, mini promo saying she's waiting for her next opponent. She's waiting to be called out. Our two minutes women's wrestling basically are 50, 50 seconds for 50 seconds of women. I don't know. I couldn't work that into it. But, yeah, they need more women's stuff on here. There wasn't even any Britt Baker on the show. Very disappointing. And maybe that's what this show was lacking because there was something missing. Uh, unsure what it was. Uh, next vignette after that before the main event was Jake the Snake and uh, Archer, who is beating up jobs in the background. And... I've got a bit of a uh, opinion on this. I liked it. At the very end, he asked Jake, have you told him? Jake said, no, I haven't. So what he does, he makes Jake unbutton his shirt, rips it over his head. And on the back of Jake, Archer mu must have written at one point, everybody dies in, like, in black marker. But it's the fact that I think they're doing now, they're addressing the complaint of, Jake the Snake speaks for Archer, so it's like Jake the Snake is taking away his limelight, but it's not that at all. You concentrate more on Archer beating up the guys. You don't listen to Jake at all. I don't. I just watch Archer, and I find it very entertaining in beating up jobbers. And I think when you look at Snake's facial expressions, he looks scared. So I think they're going down the angle of Archer now has made Jake scared. Because that's how I, what I took away from this, to be honest. And if they do that down the lines, it'll be make Archer look even more badass, in my opinion. I've got two words for you. Everybody dies? Exactly. <laughs> everybody should die, and if Archer the, should give it If the murder hawk is telling you everybody, the murder hawk means everybody. Oh, imagine a blackout on Snake the Jake. Perfect booking. Yeah, it does have the same match. Uh, Snake the Jake getting a blackout and Rock and Roll Express getting destroyed off FDR. Same match, book it, AEW, thank you. Um, one thing I yeah, really how enjoyed... How to destroy the complaints on Legends straight away. How could you <laughs> possibly take Jake the Snake and Rock and Roll Express off of him one night? Wow. Yeah, I can imagine the internet going meltdown for that straight away. And if Arn doesn't turn heel, just get um, Sean to do a spine buster on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get Arn to do it. Oh, what, on himself? That'd be very unusual. Arn, right, Arn, right, jumps into the ring, right, and he does what Kenny Omega did in DDT Wrestling, and he wrestles against 
a broom. <laughs> right? So this broom is there and it delivers a double A spine buster, right? On Arn, who reverses it halfway through and just turns around so that he doesn't hurt his back. There you go, problem solved. Fuck <laughs> uh, it, like AEW. Um, what AEW did after this was they advertised that part one of All Out will be on YouTube. They haven't done this. They have put all the pay-per-views on YouTube, but they started advertising on Dynamite, which is quite interesting. Really appreciate it. If you've seen the stats for subscribers, I have because I'm an absolute ultra nerd. They have absolutely obliterated every single wrestling company with the amount of people they've gone up in subscribers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've really embraced YouTube properly. It's very, very well done. I think they're like 1.53 million now. I know like people at Impact have got more, but they've shot up really well. And they started advertising the AEW will be on Saturday. And then it ended off with a show, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. E, that's all I would give this opinion. Um, I'll, just give it a lowdown and then you can discuss it, Gary. I'll give you the floor. Best friends in a circle were banned from ringside. The commentators made to sing, uh, say that. Uh, just typical Orange Cassidy moves when he's energetic in Chris Jericho. Uh, he does a fair few over-the-top motor ropes with his hands in his pockets. Typical super kick on Jericho. Jericho does a oh, really, really decent walls of Jericho mid midway through this match. Really enjoyed that move. Uh, but what it ended with was a bit of a sloppy finish, a few moves here and there, and then ended up in a Orange Cassidy got Jericho in a mousetrap, which is another surprise roll-up, one, two, three. Uh, but halfway through, which is the bit that got me, was best friends and Santa Ortiz came out randomly, and Mike Kiora was the one that's refereeing, suddenly got distracted. You know, this legendary referee that we're trying to big up yeah. suddenly got distracted off these four people that should be banned. Hager had a bit of interference in. He did a decent, his own version of like a spine buster sort of thing onto Orange Cassidy. Obviously, he didn't get the win. But it was that bit. That's the bit we went downhill from me when everybody came out. Okay. This legendary referee, yeah, yeah, yeah he pulled the Floyd bat off Jericho halfway through the match because... He's not being a dickhead. Um, again, we're swearing. Apologies, YouTube. Uh, he's being a typical heel, not heel referee. It, it was that moment I saw everybody brawling. But what did you think of it, Gary? I was kind of disappointed by the last three minutes of the match, I'm going to say. Um. Basically, ever since the moment where the the weapon was taken out of Jericho's hand, from that moment on, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Because they couldn't even give Orange Cassidy a real win. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, give him a real win. I, I know they're probably still going to extend it for this six-man tag or what have you at the pay-per-view but please give him a real win <laughs> like AEW I'm actually begging you give him a real one not a roll up right but like proper clean over Chris Jericho the man that can beat the rock and stone called in one night and just make yourself a star make some money <laughs> I th yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head for me, Gary, thinking back now. I think that's what 
this was missing from the show because I was quite enjoying it. And then when the main event happened, I was enjoying the match. And then the finish happened. And then that's when I felt deflated. And I think because I felt deflated at the very end of the show, I think that's why I was like, oh, this show was just meh. Um, yeah, I think if you give him the proper win, but I know in the indies, he was using this as like his finisher type of such, but because it's a yes. bit sloppy to get into, I think that's what did me in. If it was a proper smooth way of getting into it, and then like the one, two, three, but because you've got this mousetrap move, and then you've got his Superman elbow slash punch, which is his like signature secondary finisher. Um, but yeah, I generally think if he did like a Superman punch, Crero's joke, like, kicked out or something. Oh, he got the win there and then, and then he did another Superman punch and then got the win. Yeah, I would have felt much better about that. I think you've just found what I was missing. Yeah, for right now, it just feels like a fluke. Hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't want it to feel like a fluke. I think I've said this in the preview, or at least in last week's episode, was please don't make it sound, feel like a fluke. If you're going to have Orange Cassidy win, make sure that he wins. And yeah, it just feels, especially with the fact that it was botched. I think that added to it as well, was that Jericho was trying to go forward when he should have went backwards. Mm. And it was just a bit, uh, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, That's probably the most Lancastrian way of describing it ever. But (laughs) yeah, no. That actually means no for anyone that doesn't understand. Um, that's a bad move, um, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully, Orange Cassidy and the best friends gets gets one over and a big one over on Santana Ortiz and Jericho at pay per view. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's not one. It's like not one one. It's like one and zero point five. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head for me. And uh, I got delivered from AEW t-shirts as well. Got the new Orange Cassidy, uh, Orange Cassidy like Blood Orange t-shirt. Thoroughly enjoying it. Went out for a walk today with it on. Um, just kept thinking, though, about this finish. Exactly that. But overall, as a show, it was good. Uh, I think we overhyped it a little bit because of the mid-season finale talk we ran about. But it's dynamite. It's just still, for me, the best wrestling on at the moment, by a long, long way. Uh, yeah, or that, that's it for me. Gary, is there anything else you want to add on for the show? No, I just want to thank everyone again and ask them to like, subscribe, turn on the bell and comment because um, all of it helps our, our YouTube sort of algorithm stuff and algorithm. would love to hear from you all. <laughs> so, for me... Last question for you then, Gary. Very, very quick. You can have a quick explanation at the end of it as well. Hang, okay. uh, Omega and Hangman, if they had to have a singles match very, very soon, who would you give the win to? Because this may change in a couple of months or maybe a year or whenever they have the match. But if they were going to have the month, uh, match in a month or two months' time, who are you making the winner? I'd have a 60 minute time limit draw (laughs) I was expecting like a one or two answer (laughs) not the three (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I I don't I'd probably say that Omega can still 
deal with the loss. Okay. Um, a bit like when he lost to Moxley in a way. Yeah, kind of. But I don't want to see him lose anymore, so there is that in my mind. Um, no, no, no. I, I, if I had to give the win to one of them, I'd give it to Hangman Page just because he's the future hmm. um, rather than the present. And at the minute, I'm trying to think of ways to build up the future because if you can look after your company for the next 10 years, then when that next TV deal comes up, then you're in for whatever you ask for, basically. It is. It really, really is. And I generally think if they were going to have a match the next uh, like month, two months, this again depends on the pandemic. I would get Hangman to win. And you know who I'll just get involved after that, who I've been clamming for to come back when they can to get Pac back. Because you know when he kept complaining about his rubber <laughs> rubber match and stuff like that, like all like between these three. Yeah. He's had a decent feud against these two people. So bring him yeah, back. I really want to see a triple threat between them Thank all. Thank you. To be honest with you. <laughs> uh, for me, okay, the most ideal triple threat. Okay, are you ready for this? Not triple threat. Sorry, what am I on about? A fatal four-way. Just imagine this, okay? Kenny, Hammond Page, Pack, and then I know you don't like him as your champion and whatnot, but if you add Moxley into that mix, because them four, except for Moxley and Hangman, they're the only two that haven't like gone against each other yet, feud-wise. But ooh, it'll be extremely extremely juicy but I do like your idea of the draw because they haven't done that and again if it WWE withdraws they'll be pulling that out of their freaking side left right and centre every week on Raw and Smackdown even NXT to be honest but because they haven't had yeah. a draw in a while if they did have the match in two two months I would allow it 60 minute proper gritty gritty match and then yeah. they both do a finisher one kicks out and then another finisher the other one kicks out and then they both clothesline each other in the middle of the thing, or book shot on a feed trigger on each other. Boom. And then Aubrey Edwards basically says, no, time gone. <laughs> Phenomenal finish that. <laughs> yeah. Just, I would much prefer the draw right now. I, yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. would. Um, plus, if that ever was to happen, it would add to the tension between the two of them as well. It would. It really, really would. Just um, because neither of them can prove that they're better than the other. And then you've still got that competitiveness still there. If not ratcheted up like another 10, 20%. Just because you're looking at them going, hmm, yeah, if I would have got that pin, I would have won. And then you've yeah. got the other one looking at the other going exactly the same way. So yeah, yeah, the double finisher sort of draw at time limit sounds great to me and if you did further booking so this is the last thing I'll say if you did further booking um, because you have the draw for the first match you just basically say that's fine you have a uh, best out of five or best out of three falls match after that so it has to come to a finish um, yeah. so yeah phenomenal so much appreciated guys oh, you really enjoyed the review today um, as Gary said like subscribe uh, please share we're going to add Twitter details on eventually and I'm going to start uh, promoting this on our Twitter handle on our um, actual Twitter feed over the weekend because we need to create a brand new one because we're technically going to have two however Gary if they want to follow you where can they find you it's at GeForce for life with a four and a Y instead of an I so G F O R C E 
number four, L-Y-F-E, GeForce for Life. Legends, guys. And we may have a surprise for you this weekend, may not, depending on how free we are. It's like our third video extra for the week, but hope you all enjoy your evenings, mornings, afternoons, dinners, lunches, I don't know, some random seventh meal you have in the day, and we'll see you next time.